Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey everybody, how's it going? You're listening to the Command Zone. We are on episode 70. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. Get over here! I mean, how's it? How's it? It's Josh Lequai. Josh fires a hook into your chest and yanks you over. Fatality. No, you have to go shaka, bro. Fatality. Shaka, bro. Fatality. Um, how's it going, everybody? We are uh, going to try out a new topic today, uh, or a new kind of topic. We are actually going to be talking about current events in the world of Magic the Gathering. And at the end step, we're going to do something that's a current-ish event not in the world of Magic the Gathering. It's just it's just currently current. Current, yeah. In Fire all currents. Yeah. yeah. All currencies. Um, yeah, uh, we decided to do this after... Well, it was pretty much after the the announcement uh, this week. You'll you'll be hearing it. It'll be last week by the time you hear this of Mark Rosewater on this Tumblr talking about Battle for Zendikar, and it got everyone in a tizzy. And we were like, you know what? We could spend a little time discussing this stuff. Um, there was just so much that happened this week because not only that, there's the Commander 2015 stuff. Yeah, there's been some other things recently that aren't like didn't happen last week, but have happened in the last couple of weeks. And it's a fun opportunity for us to talk about. Some stuff. Some of it's uh, Commander EDH related, but not all of it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all magic related, yeah, though, for which sure. is, I think is really pertinent. And it's all about the community, too, as well, because uh, that's the reason that these topics are debated and talked about is because everyone is very passionate about the game. So I think it's pretty important to keep up with what's current. Um, even if you're a casual Magic the Gathering player, it, it's nice. It's cool to hear this stuff. It's cool to just sort of, I don't know, have an opinion, I guess, but don't have too, I mean, don't have too many opinions, guys. Well, it's a game we're passionate <laughs> about. We spend a lot of time. We spend a lot of money. You know, so of course we're going to be thinking about it when we're not playing it. And this is just some fun things to talk about and discuss. So yeah, it's true. Uh, you want to start with the battle for Zendikar thing? Yeah. So last week on Morrow's blog uh, on Tumblr, he basically was like, "I've been asked a ton of questions about this." Um, normally, okay. So if you guys don't know, normally they do battle for Zendikar spoiler stuff at Comic Con, but this year Comic Con was early, so they had nothing to talk about. Uh, relating to the set, really, except show some art and talk about what's going to happen, but they didn't spoil any cards or anything. Specifically, people are wondering about full art lands and whether or not they're going to be the fetch lands again. 
the Zendikar fetches. The Zendikar fetches, like Scalding Tarn. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the other ones are, actually, because I don't own any. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple, but whatever. They're really expensive right now, too. And yeah, they just shot back up in price. Yeah, they were expensive before, and then once this announcement got made, because spoiler alerts, the Zendikar fetches are not going to be in mm-hmm. Battle for Zendikar is one of the things that Morrow put in his uh, in his blog. So then those prices have shot up. Yeah, and fetch lands, for those that don't know, they just got re- uh, there's two cycles of fetch lands. There's allied colored fetch lands, so the colors that are next to each other, blue and white, uh, green and red. And there's also uh, enemy colored fetch lands, which are the ones that we talk about, you know, that aren't green and <laughs> Like you know, blue and red. Allies, yeah. <laughs> if you listen to our color White, roll black, series. Yeah. Um, uh, so they reprinted those last year in Kansa Tarkir, and now they're like 10 the to $15. The allied colors. Yeah, yeah, because those were $40, $50. Polluted made, Delta was like 50 bucks. It yeah, was crazy. Yeah. It made entry into modern much more accessible for a lot of people, and people were like, oh my gosh, they're going to do it again in Zendikar. That's when the original fetches were printed for the enemy-colored pairs, and they weren't. Yeah, I, I mean, they're saying they're, they're not saying going, they're to, not going yeah. to be. I mean, they're not going to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> He's not head-faking anybody here. There's going to be a new cycle of rare lands, but people got very upset Ton of salt. Ton of salt. Ton oh, and the fetch lands, if you guys don't know what they do, they grab a, a like a plains or a swamp so you can get an original dual land or you can get a shock land or just a regular plains Right, or they, swamp. they notably don't say basic forest, basic yeah. plains. So like Polluted Delta would say, tap it, sacrifice it, pay one life, go find a swamp or an island. Not basic swamp or basic mm-hmm. island. So that's when you say fetch lands, because like Evolving Wilds, Terramorphic Expanse, yeah, those are also fetch lands, but that's not what people mean when they say fetch lands. Yeah. They mean these fetch lands that don't, nothing comes into play tapped, and you, they let you go find uh, non basics of those land types. So, yeah. It's a big thing the in shock lands in modern are what they get. Yeah. It's, it's a very big thing in modern. Um, the lands are sort of one of the barriers to entry as far as price mm-hmm. for playing in modern because there's a lot of decks where you need quite a few of these fetch lands just to make them make the deck work and so if you need six to eight you're looking at an additional four hundred dollars and now when some of the when some of these lands have recently gone up to like 80 bucks now you're looking at maybe six seven hundred dollars more you need to build that deck yeah so that's pretty intense that's Um, what's got a lot of people upset is just they didn't reprint them they just did the Modern Masters 2015 product, which yeah. pushed a lot of people into like investing and getting ready to play Modern, and then they sort of put this roadblock up, quote-unquote. I mean, this is what people are saying, um, where it's hard to get certain lands for certain decks. Yeah, and the expectation level, I think, was really high coming into this set, both because they were printed here originally and because we got the other ones last year. So people were like, oh my gosh, this if they're not going to print it, then what are they doing? And uh, I think it was just exacerbated by the fact that now it cost $80 to buy a Scalding Tarn. And they're saying it's probably going to keep going up, you yeah. know, because when's the next time they really could print them? And it's uh, it's unlikely to be in that block. Yeah. It'll probably be in the block after if it comes. If it even if it comes standard. then. I mean, there's a lot of things to think about here. One is that the clock by which Wizards works under, they're working two years out. Mm-hmm. So they don't always see the prices and what's going to happen. Like, they're predicting, right? And that's not necessarily their main concern either. They're trying to make a they healthy can't standard even, format. They can't even acknowledge the secondary market. Now, I guarantee they know about it and they do pay attention to it. And we've got indications that they'll reprint certain things to try and bring the prices down because they want people to be able to play the game. And, and mm-hmm. when their game's too expensive, it really does turn people off from playing it. So they do have to worry about it, even though they can't talk about it. But they're looking so far in the future. Like, right now... They're locking in place cards that are going to be released in two years. 
Yeah. There's really, like, if you were asked to do that, would you be able to tell me, like, every single card that and what price points it's going to be at in two years? You can't because you don't even yeah. know what decks are going to be good then. So what? it's really hard to tell which cards you're going to have to reprint, you know, that far out. So I, I think a lot of salt directed at Watsi is a little bit misplaced. I mean... They could do a better job at this in some parts. It's just really hard to do. Yeah, and I think people are also upset because there's not much communication because they can't acknowledge the third market. Yeah, they can't acknowledge the second secondary market. Secondary market, market. yeah. yeah. The they third just, market is, uh, I don't even know what that is. They can't do it because <laughs> it puts them in a really weird position where they're sort of printing money. I mean... They've always been doing that, Josh. Yeah, but it's, it's artificial supply and demand uh-huh. is what they've created here. And so to... It it's just gets really hairy legally if they start acknowledging the secondary market. It gets re- it gets pretty tough. Yeah, it is really tough just because people want certain things. I mean, do you remember the uh, video last year of the PAX announcement when yep. they announced Fetch Lands? People were going like crazy. It was like the new year. It was yeah. as though like a, a heavenly ray shone through the building and everyone suddenly saw, met their maker and was overjoyed by it. It was amazing how huge the reaction was. And I can see how the opposite of that has led to so many people crying out that now Modern is so inaccessible, especially after Modern Masters coming out. But I will say this, uh, Alex Kessler at the Masters of Modern uh, podcast, he was tweeting out a lot of stuff about this because they talk about Modern. Um, and he tweeted out a list of decks that work without the Zendikar fetches, Tarmogoyf, Snapcaster Mage, or Lillian of the Veil. And uh, there's like 12 decks that work. There's a lot. You can definitely play Modern. You don't have to have yeah. those cards. And you can play it and slowly sort of trade and invest into the the cards that you want. That's how the sky's not falling. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, um, yeah hopefully these will get a reprint. I, I mean, from a business standpoint, one of the things I said was I don't think it made a lot of sense for them to print the fetches right here. They just did that for cons. So the, if they hold it off for one more set, then they're guaranteed to make that set sell really well. And the fall set traditionally doesn't have a problem. Yeah, it's the best-selling set usually, right? Yeah, every year. So they would want to put those fetch lands into a set that maybe normally doesn't sell as much because that's just good business. And we can, you know, we can ah, get all mad and yell at wizards about some of the stuff they're doing, but actually we want them as a business to thrive because if they're not, then they can't keep making the game. Yeah, and if they were just like, we're going to reprint all the things all the time, guess what? Your investments, the other cards that you like so much, are all going to go down in price. So they ha- it has to be this weird kind of balance. Also, I don't think they want 10 fetches in standard at the same time. Oh, that's a really good point. Especially point. with Delve as a mechanic, I think it starts overpowering that. I also just, just think... Just the time just, it takes for a match yeah, to happen. Yeah, you're going to shuffle like, every single turn. it will just be annoying to watch. Yeah, um, not a fun gameplay Also, it screws up the color balance because mm-hmm. now you can just play five color like the whole time if you want to i think yeah or, that's actually really true i mean i just think there's a million reasons why i mean you and i actually never thought that there was going to be fetch lands in battle for zendikar no. i remember having these conversations with people and they're like yeah enemy fetch or uh enemy fetches have to be and i'm like year. i don't see it i just don't see how they can do it yeah and they have full art land so people are going to buy the packs and stuff because that's an extra incentive uh in a couple of years each of those lands will be at least a dollar and the foil versions will at least be 10 to 15 that's you know? another really good point from the business angle is like you don't need zendikar fetches and full art lands in the same set because yeah. w- any one of those is going to sell the whole set so you don't want to overload it to the point like you can save the other thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you did Zendikar fetches here and didn't do full arts, that'd be fine because then you can use the full arts in another set to sell that set. Yeah. So just from a business perspective, 
I mean, this is just how things have to happen. It does sort of stink on, on one end, but it's understandable. Yeah, if you're investing into modern, now is not the best time. It hasn't been the best time. Modern season yeah. started already. The prices have already shot up. So getting into the format, you may be a little too late on that front. Fortunately for us EDH players, we don't care. We don't care. This is actually fine for us. The fetches, I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't necessarily missing them. I have, mm-hmm. like I said, I think I have two, and it's like they're in the decks, and I wasn't going to go buy any because they're not good enough to go buy at that price. Yeah, they don't I make just it put a guild gate in <laughs> yeah, for like worst. one one hundredth of a price, and it's actually 80% as good you know there's yeah there's no reason to yeah because we're just not like oh my god if i don't play my three drop on turn three i don't lose so yeah yeah. maybe you could even gain a life when you put your land into play yeah exactly i'll play the refuge lands i'm not actually it's better than guild gates because i play all the tap lands from cons and every time i see someone play one i'm like fists in the air like awesome dude great you just saved yourself so much money that you could spend on another card that will make a big difference in the yeah exactly if you spent fifty dollars on a land and then this guy plays the refuge land the life land (laughs) Your deck is only 0.005% better than his for that, and but you spent $49 more. Whereas yeah. he could have taken that $49, bought an Avacyn and an Earthcraft, and now his deck is like... Wow, you look know. at that quick math. Holy moly. That was, <laughs> I was like, that. yeah, 30, oh, yep, that's about it. <laughs> so... But you know, full art lands. I'm actually super excited because I yeah. have. I don't. You have a lot of them. I don't have very many. At I all. have them because I like bought them on Amazon because I was like, I want these full want art those. dollar lands from the original Zendikar or whatever. Yeah, if now, you haven't seen Jimmy's decks, a lot of them have like all full art lands. So He's got foil full art lands. Look, if, if I'm going to be casting spells over these mythical planes, I want the everyone to feel good when they the yeah. man gets tapped for them. It doesn't make know? me feel good because I look at my crappy looking like Mirage <laughs> lands and I'm like, what am I doing? I need yeah. full art lands. <laughs> so now I can get them. Very excited about that. Yeah, and I will probably first pick a foil Fallout land in the draft. I guarantee it. I will first pick one. <laughs> You're like, I don't care value. That's like a $10 card. <laughs> I mean, why not? It's true. Every pack you buy of this. And you can play it forever. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be a really good set to just buy boxes of because every yes. pack's basically a dollar cheaper because those guaranteed in a year and a half, two years, those, yep. those are worth a buck. I mean, if you set. look at the lands from Unhinged, the foil island from Unhinged is $60. That's insane. That is insane. But those those sets were not printed very. I mean, like yeah, it's just hard to get. Spikes do not play and buy unhinged, so they lost a bit of market there. Um, I'm really looking forward to a new unset. I think that'd be really fun. Oh, I hope that happens. Yeah, Uh, but it'll probably be in place of conspiracy when it does. So. I'm hoping for Conspiracy 2, and then you can do How about un- Unconspiracy 2.0? It's just a combo <laughs> it's of both. Conspiracy. Con- C, yeah. uppercase <laughs> U-N, Spiracy. Oh, boy. Morrow, I hope like you're a, listening. It's like a, okay. That one's free. That one's free. You can take it. It's like a B+. <laughs> um, other exciting news. Commander 2015 info has just started to come out. And again, this is something that they usually talk about at Comic-Con, uh, which would have happened, I guess, like last week normally. Normally, so yeah. at the end of July. Um, and so they've started to release some information about this, which is exciting. I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting, although I'm a little disappointed because it's not four <laughs> color commanders, which I didn't... Re- I wasn't. Sh- I was hoping, but I didn't mm-hmm. actually think would happen. So there's no Nephilim for you, right? Those mm. are the only four color cards right now. Yeah, and they're not even legendary. So it's true. Although some people have been talking about playing those as legendary cards uh, for your commander, and we yeah. can, we'll have a whole episode on house rules and stuff, especially because we just talked about unhinged and stuff as well. Cheaty face occasionally comes into play under my control. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the MSRP is going to be thirty five bucks. It's sweet. It's going to be the third. Commander product printed by Wizards? Fourth, I think. Fourth? Third or fourth? Fourth, correct. Fourth, yeah. Yeah, because there's been two, three, four. Yeah. yeah. Last year was This will be the fourth. It comes out November actually. 13th. Have you noticed that they've gone one color, then two colors? So maybe three colors and four colors? Does that mean I have to wait till like 2017? Yep. And then they uh, do a five color set. 
they just skip four, go straight to five. Oh man, that would be so. Five would be weird. They they do five five color commanders. Like it would be hard. All yeah, the decks would sort of feel the same. They would all feel the same. Yeah. Um. So the enemy colors are going to be represented in this commander set. We're going to have five different decks. I'm assuming one of them is going to be white red, white black, blue red, blue green, green black. Good job. Yeah, thank God someone wrote that down in the outline, Josh. <laughs> I was worried. I saw you, and I was like, what's you? Oh, it's blue. <laughs> Dodge the bullet. Uh, uh, there's going to be 55 new cards. Hopefully we get a total. spoil one. Yeah, I Cross hope we get fingers. to spoil one. Um, each, each of the decks will have 15 cards, which if you're doing math, that's 75 cards, which means that there will be overlap. So some of the decks mm-hmm. will have the same new cards. We know this is a place where they've liked to see... They've seeded some cards like um, contain, Containment Priest. Yeah, that's where they put... For, uh, what was the one where um, the blue card that you name a player and it's got protection from that player? Oh, True Name Nemesis. True Name yeah. Nemesis. Like, they have put some legacy stuff in there. They've played around with that. They'll, they'll definitely play around here. A lot of your Commander Stable cards like Chaos Warp mm-hmm. are cards that were made specifically for Commander. Which is, so, I think, great. Yeah, um, so 55 new cards. Well, obviously, some of those are going to be... Some of them will be lands. Like there is the uh, there's a land that gets rid of shroud and hexproof that was printed in a lot of the decks last yep. year. That that land's great. Arcane Lighthouse, I believe. Yep. Uh, yeah, fifty five new cards, and they're also going to be you'll be able to draft a lot of the legend legendary creatures from the set on Modo. They have like a legendary cube that they have coming out. Oh yeah, that's an interesting thing they're doing. Because usually they which sell is a cube Commander that's 20- all legendary cards, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they'll probably have or all have the creatures have are legendary. Or yeah. Something? Legendary sorcery. <laughs> they have, don't they have? Oh no, isn't? Are they epic spells? Those are the legendary spells. Sorceries, so. I guess. Well, usually uh, they sell co- the commander products on the store at Wizards, but because you know exactly what's in them, they I guess have miserable sales mm-hmm. of them. So I think what they're doing is we'll have cool legendary creatures in all of these color pairings, and then we're going to be able to have them draftable. So that's how you can buy on a Moto. Pack on Moto, yeah, that's cool. Um, well, let's talk about speaking of legendary creatures. That's the one of the biggest things when commander product comes out mm-hmm. is we get a whole bunch of new creatures that can be commanders, and this yeah. year. They very slyly, very they purposely put in this like wording oh, right. into the description. Do you want to read it? Yeah, it says uh, experience counters will make your commanders grow in power during the course of each game. Experience yes. counters nice. on your commanders. Hmm, hmm. This got the minds a rolling. Yeah, this is really cool. Uh, so Wizards in the past has played with... Um, so they didn't invent the format, if you guys don't know. Sheldon Mennery, a judge, and a bunch of his judge friends came up with it because it was a way to pass time at tournaments. And Wizards, after taking it under their control uh, in terms of printing a set every year, has invented and created new mechanics for the game. So yep. Derevi and Aloro are both uh, creatures that have text that say from like the command zone, specifically. Yeah, yep. guy's name. <laughs> uh, so it looks like they're adding something else here. And Prosh is another one that talks about um he scales yeah. with how many times you've played commander attacks basically so they have played around this idea of commander cards working differently when you're actually playing commander with them which is pretty sweet this, it looks like this has to do something with that well yeah is it going to be some combination of like the level up cards from like rise of the eldrazi mm-hmm. and that time period where level up commanders oh my god i mean it says experience counters make yeah. your commanders grow in power is it like each time it goes to the command zone put a count- level up counter does it the counter stay when it's I'm sure it ha- whatever it is, it has to be a way that you can't abuse it uh, freely because then Wizards would clearly not design something. Like, if it feels like every time it, I don't know, I, I'm trying to think of a way, like, 
that you could abuse it going to the command zone and back to yeah. like rack up the counters. I'm sure doubling season affects this as well to double those up. Yeah, I wonder if they'll put in some wording that like stops doubling season somehow or yeah. or make the green one slightly less powerful because of doubling season. They clearly know doubling season exists and is a problem. Yeah. Um I'm interested. Super interesting. Yeah. Well, Could you counters- imagine like a Kazundu Tusk Caller, like that guy that yeah. makes those elephants? As like a legendary type of yeah, creature it that just keeps the- its counters when it goes to the command zone and comes back and yeah. then could be crazy. So by the time it like has three counters, it puts out three, three, three green elephants. Yeah, it could be worded so it. like tap it and put, you know, X three threes into play where oh. X is half the number of counters on it. Round it up. Yeah, round it up. Or equal to the number of counters. Yeah, oh, jeez. And it just costs one green to put out. And yes, every please, time, please. <laughs> every time it enters the battlefield from the command zone, put a counter on it. Yeah, so. I think that's, I feel like that's what it is. It's not when it dies. It has to be when it comes in. Right. Um, just because it's like, I've buffed up a little bit. It's sweet. It's brand new design space. They always talk about design space closing in over time. Like eventually we're going to have designed everything for magic, right? Right. So Commander is actually expanding it in a really interesting way because we have this idea of a recurring card that you can always play. Which yeah, and there's never a whole zone otherwise. they can play with that they yeah. couldn't play with before. Um, yeah, there was, again, people are interesting on the, online, on the Reddits, on Twitter. And, um, you know, there was a lot of skepticism about this. I would say, and I've always said this, which is that yeah. Magic is a game that requires the developers and the designers to push the envelope constantly. They have to. They don't have the same ability that video games have to sort of keep current. They can't patch their game. Right. They can't, you know, they can't fine-tune, tweak it in the same way. So if they're not constantly looking for new horizons and pushing over, you know, this hill to look and see what's over there and trying stuff that may not work, if they're scared to have cards get banned because they're too powerful, then they're never going to be pushing up against that wall that we need them to push up against, which is where the most interesting stuff happens. Yeah. And if they didn't do that, we wouldn't have like just cooler games. I don't know. I feel like cards like Chaos Warp are ultimately really good for the game because it's like, look, if you're playing a mono red deck and you can't afford Karn Liberated, then Chaos Warp is a great option for you. It's, I guess, kind of breaks the color wheel or whatever. But at the same time, Commander is the format that needs to have a little bit of flashiness to it with some crazy stuff. Because if commander doesn't have that then it kind of loses the shine of the idea of like you get to build cool decks doing cool crazy things right stuff that nobody ever thought of yeah Yeah. just stuff that's not possible in other formats so this is like the dreamers format for sure um yeah i'm really excited about that last part i wasn't i was a little disappointed about the enemy pairings just because i'm excited for their legendary commanders too because we had some like um uh there's some amazing ones from the last uh, monocolored set yeah, there's like some really Felden. good ones, but monocolor is just so like I don't want to play monocolor. I did make a Titania deck, right? But in general, that's a turnoff for me. Dual color, I'm not super stoked about. If it was tr- three color, I'd be way more excited. But yeah, this I'm, does make me excited again because the commanders sound like they'll be so super interesting. I'm so ready for there to be a really good Boros commander in this set. That's kind of my hope. Come on, Come put on. some card draw or mana ramp on it. <laughs> that <laughs> on breaks the color pie. Commander, I yeah. know, but that's the reason that white reds like just put so Mentor tough. on the Meek. Mentor of the Meek on a stick. There you go. I'll take that. There you go. Yeah. Just give me give me something that allows me to do something other than just pure aggro. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is I, I usually build three-color decks uh, or five-color decks, so it will be interesting to see if I am inspired to make anything that's two-colored because I think it does make you have to think differently as a deck builder. And For sure. For sure. I'm sure we'll each make one at least because it's just going to yeah. be new stuff. It's going to I had a fun. quest to make a monocolor deck of every color after last year and I like, made one well, I have, after my mono red deck I already had but i have no such quest 
Um, oh, well, the next point we have is the new mulligan rule. Ooh, mulligan. So this is something that happened a few uh, weeks ago. But if you haven't heard, if you don't follow the Pro Tour... They announced the, it a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. Or the, maybe even a month ago or so. Yeah. And it actually happened at the Pro Tour a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, and this doesn't really matter for us, but it's something that's interesting. If you haven't heard about it, it's just interesting the space that Wizards is working in now and what they're thinking about about yeah. the game and how to continually evolve it and continue to make uh, things better. So, it's like them patching the game is what they're kind of doing. This, this kind this of rule. is with this rule. So the new Mulligan rule... Assuming you know the old one. Okay, jeez. Let's just say the old one. Okay, so the old <laughs> rule, we all know. In EDH, is different, but this is for competitive magic. You draw your first seven cards. If you don't like that hand, you shuffle it back into, into the deck, and then you draw one less card. So you draw six. Mm-hmm. If you don't like that hand, you shuffle it back into the deck, and you draw five. And then you do keep doing that until you have a hand that you want to keep. Yep. What they found was there's a lot of... There's a huge gap between starting with seven cards and starting with six cards. Something like a 20% difference in the win rate if you went from seven cards to six cards. So it's just too big of a gap. You don't want a game that's decided based on that. And also it just sucks for coverage when someone just has to mull down to five and can't play magic and just watch someone just sort of walk over the other player and coverage is just like, oh, well, bummer. (laughs) It makes your game seem, uh, I don't know, it's less of a game, you yeah. know, because it seems like luck plays too big of a part. Now you want luck to play a part, but not a huge right. part. So what they came up with was really interesting. Um, they added to the mulligan rule, and what they've said is that it's the same as before, but it says any player whose opening hand has fewer cards than his or her starting hand size may scry one. So if you mold a six or more, before you start the game, you get to scry one. You have to choose to keep that hand first. Yes. You can't be like, I, I draw six, I scry, scry one. Okay, I'll keep it. Okay, I'll keep it, yeah. yeah. Um, but this is, I mean, it's really good. Scrying, by the way, you look at the top card. So you scry the number it is. So you scry and you look at X cards at the top, and you decide whether or not you keep it on top or put it on the bottom. So let's say you have a six-card land or a six card hand that has like one land in it. You just need one more land to do well. And it's a sketchy keep. Normally, you would mulligan it away. But with the scry, you get a much better chance of drawing that land by looking at the top card. And if it's not a land, you immediately put it on the bottom. If it is a land, then you go, woohoo, I did it. Right. You usually see people do this when they when they mull down to six anyway. They'll just flip. The, if they don't like it, they'll just flip and look at the top card. And they're just like, ah, see, what would it have been? What would it have been, yeah. Yeah, so I think this actually is a very good improvement to the current rules. Although there has been a little bit of an outcry for constructed compared to limited. Yeah, there's been a little bit of dissent among the pros. Almost all of them liked it in limited. Some of them didn't like it in constructed. And that's because in constructed, you build your deck in such a way that certain decks, like combo decks, mm-hmm. uh, or certain decks that need like specific cards they will benefit more from the scry thing than other decks because they're not yeah. just looking for land or not. They're also looking for Jeskai Ascendancy or not. Or mm-hmm. if you're a burn deck, is it, you You know... You don't want a land. You don't sometimes. want the land, yeah. yeah. So it's... Or the thought, the new Thopters deck, you want Soul Artifact and all that kind Oh, of yeah, stuff. you can literally just search for it. It, it lets you yeah. look at two more cards rather than one. Yeah. It's interesting because we don't do anything of this sort in EDH. I mean, we are probably the most relaxed about drawing an opening seven in our play group than anything else and everyone does it differently but we say like draw a full seven you can take as many cards out of that and then draw those amount of cards back up to seven if you don't like that mull the whole hand draw the six yeah and then do it again and draw back up to six it's just like we don't we just want you to have a good starting hand and also for us it doesn't matter as much because you have more turns to draw into your wins and with 40 life unless someone's really going ham you can usually survive weather the storm and 
sort of stabilize at a good point. You know, we haven't planned to do this, but it is interesting because we have been asked on a number of occasions about mulligans, mm-hmm. and people want us to do a show about mulligans. And unfortunately, I just don't think it's a full enough topic to do an entire show on, so maybe we can yeah. touch on it here. We mulliganed that idea, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is an interesting thing, and it seems to be something that crops up in playgroups is how they mulligan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so what Jimmy just described is called partial Paris. Partial Paris? Paris or Parish? I, I honestly don't I know. I heard it was Paris. Uh, because it has something to do with maybe the French commander rules or the Paris Mulligan, I believe is there what it you is. go. Yeah. So that's called partial Paris. It's when you take the, your starting hands and then you selectively Mulligan a few of them, but keep others. It's similar to Hearthstone mm-hmm. and how they handle Mulligans. Um, I know some people don't like this because they're worried that other players will just search for a soul ring or, right. you know, and, and sometimes you draw a hand with a soul ring and just ditch six cards and keep, and the, soul keep the soul ring. Yeah. yeah. Which is, Again, I think that's okay. It, it's it's an interesting thing. You have to feel it out in your playgroup because I've definitely been in playgroups for, for not necessarily Magic, but for other games where, yeah, there is like one person and you like that person, but they are a little sketchy with how they'll <laughs> deal with the rules. And, and yeah. it can get a little bit annoying. And, and at some point, Dangerous, I understand. actually. You know, if you let them really sculpt their opening hand in a way that's like, you just did like four full moles to seven and then... Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, here's the thing I would say in that circumstance is that that person is always going to look for those little places mm-hmm. where they can do it. So if you change your mulligan rules to a certain point, you're still going to have to keep an eye on them. It's best to just have a conversation yeah. at some point. Just be like, dude. Or dudette. Dudette, why are you trying so hard to, you know, scam everything a little bit? <laughs> you know? Stop. Yeah. Stop scamming everything. You think we don't know, we notice. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think that's probably a better tack to take. And and really, I mean, I don't know how we do a, an entire episode about mulligans. I guess mulligan decisions. Yeah, what what kinds of hands to keep. But it's, it's always so, so deck situational. Yeah, yeah I, I, here's what I want in my opening hands to decide about mulligans. Uh, I want mana, you know, usually three. Two's okay. Two's I usually, okay with some kind of if ramp. If I have some kind of ramp. I, I usually want three because mana, being mana screwed just is so bad in EDH. Yeah. And then I want card draw. I want something that's going to draw me some cards. Mm-hmm. No matter if it's a six drop that draws you cards, I'm still okay with it. Like if I have a hand with Consecrated Sphinx, I'm like, that is going to be fine. Yeah, because I'm going to be able to get gas at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather have Rhystic Study or something, but... Right. I want something in my opening hand, Phyrexian Arena. Skull like, Clamp. Yeah, Underworld Connections even. They don't even have to be the best card draw cards ever because I want to be able to move through my deck a little bit and find the pieces and... and mm-hmm. Anything that's going to draw me an extra card per turn, even if it's just one, is going to be twice as fast. Yeah, or having a tutor in your hand is also really nice. And um, then I figure my my deck will even itself out. Because if I built it right, it's going to, you know, under most circumstances, water will find its level. So I just want the leveler, which is card draw, to come along. That's why I'm an advocate of just playing Howling Mines and stuff like that. Uh, even though in more normal constructed formats, you don't want to play those cards because you're down a card. Yeah. Everybody else is up a card that first time. But really, in the end, if you build your deck right, then that's going to level you off better than them. Mm-hmm. So, and I you choose when you play it as well. Yeah, and that's really all I look for: card draw, little bit of ramp. That's it. I don't actually yeah. worry about the rest of the pieces. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know if I do this the most because our playgroup does it a lot, which is just draw the seven cards. Yeah, fine, that's good enough. Yeah. I don't look for specific things. I'm not trying to like, oh man, I'm going to be able to play this on turn four and and hose everybody. That's just not, you know. 
I don't know. That's just not usually yeah, how I think about it. Yeah, it's in the hand and it's there. I mean, I won't keep a hand if it's like three lands and then four nine drops. Right. You know, I'll mulligan away that maybe but all you'll but partial. Yeah, I'll partial all but one of the nine drops. She's yeah. like, I like this one the most. It's usually insurrection or whatever. And then I draw an extra three. And if I'm just, it's like, honestly, if those are all still like seven, eight drops, I'll be like, man, whatever, fine. I still have three lands. That's like the most I can ask for. I'll usually full mull then if I do that. Like if I, if I got a hand with four, seven to nine drops and three lands, I'll mull all four of the big stuff. Mm-hmm. Look at what I've got. If there's not a single piece of card draw, mull the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because my decks, I always have 10 to 12 card draw things. So I've got a good chance of just getting one. I just want one. Yeah. I just want my velocity to be high. Everything yeah, else will work. And it's also off. the early game. No one is, no one usually points removal in our play group at stuff like that in early game. No it's just hard it. to waste it on one person drawing cards. Yeah. You know, because you don't even know if they're your enemy yet. You usually want to save it for something that, like, that when for the moment when somebody says, I attack you, Jimmy. Okay, I'll use my removal. Like, you don't really want to waste it until then. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in our next episode, actually, specifically uh, how to hold some cards back. Um, another thing I wanted to mention on the current topics is if you guys use Twitch at all, uh, you should. Twitch is great. Tons of really cool stuff on Twitch. Uh, Magic Streaming is, like, at an all-time high. There is, like, a, a giant group of people that are all... <laughs> online and playing and they're all great they all do different formats they all play different things mm-hmm. uh there are even some people that stream commander stuff although i find that kind of uh it's I tough kind of, i fall asleep when i watch that it's tough yeah which sucks because i love commander and stuff but you know the if you're watching on the phone there's like three other giant screens and you have to like zoom into each one and be like what is it it's really hard those? to keep track of the board state the politics of it are really hard they don't really transfer all that great they don't transfer it's, at all and yeah. that's see if, if there was a live group playing it that would be what be mo- most then it'd be super interesting you yeah. need multi-camera setup so you can he- see what everybody's doing but then it would be like literally people like trying to politic would be interesting but yeah. you have to produce that to such a high level yeah exactly but i mean right now we have awesome people online uh wedge from the mana source has just started the stream uh there's kenji agashira there's mtg doc paul chion gabby sparts ashlam rose marshall sutcliffe will sometimes just pop on the stream at like 3 a.m it's super late every time he does it the guy is like a big time night owl he sits there he's like leaning back in his chair using his professional microphone so it sounds great <laughs> well and he's, he's got that deep awesome voice yeah exactly um his, he sounds the best of any oh, of, of course yeah <laughs> absolutely uh because he both the mic and everything else uh limited uh limited loading ready run those guys uh are drafting as well and they also do these things called the streamer drafts uh streamer showdowns it happens like once a month where they just pit eight different of the streamers and usually one wizards employee and you can watch multiple streams at once once and see who's drafting what and passing what to the person on the left or right it's really cool it's like interactive you get to see like oh wow because this person didn't pick it that guy grabbed it or that girl grabbed it and that's why they're in green etc so you get to like sort of monitor the draft as it goes um and also if you are interested in those formats all of these players usually talk about their reasoning behind the the way they play um why they chose a certain card why they're playing it now why they're holding it back and i think that's actually really really important yeah it's akin to like listening to a podcast about how to improve your play yeah you can watch somebody play and as they talk about how they're playing and why they're making decisions that can improve your play and you can ask them live like hey why did you just do that or like shouldn't we have played titanic growth there and they'll go no because this 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 and whoa cool and that almost all that knowledge can apply to edh yeah you can definitely apply the information and the and the way they think about stuff to the EDH games. In a lot of ways, EDH is more complicated yeah. because there's so many other players. And politics. Yeah, and because of politics, there's not as many like, this is the correct thing. 
Whereas in like limited and constructed competitive formats, there's often a exactly right play. Right. But I do like the idea that that if they're trying to enforce the idea that you should be making the correct play. You should make it be... You should be making your plays for a reason. Yeah, for a reason. And they have, you know, I thought of X, Y, and Z, and that's why I did this. And even if you're not right, just going through the process, you'll be right more often if you have a process. Yeah, instead of just sort of going willy-nilly and doing whatever. The other good thing is that Jimmy and I have a tendency to be hanging out in a lot of these chats, especially uh, Kenji, Doc, Wedge. Those are some of our favorites. Mm -hmm. um, will often be in there. So you can always pop in, and if you see us, say hi, and... um, yeah, I've actually talked to a lot of listeners already. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys are listening, hello, friends. That's uh, Kenji's way of saying hello. <laughs> hello. And uh, let's see, what does Doc say? Doc is a... Oh, gosh. I was I was doing Doc impressions when he when I guessed it on this charity stream the other day, and now I can't think of what he says. He was a... Uh, a uh, it's like he'll go like, Kyle, five, six, nine. Thank you for subscribing. A a, a beer... Or I raise a... I don't know. I raise a toast in the borrow's fist to you. It's, uh, and yeah, like, he has like him. his whole like routine he goes through every time. That somebody subscribed. So, speaking of Boros, hope they print that Boros Commander. Mm, come on, guys, I'm looking forward to it. Just gonna keep referencing <laughs> Boros because yeah, I don't care at all because I th- it'll have to be amazing for me to build a. It Boros would have deck. to be amazing. Yeah, right? I'll just yeah. show them not Boros. You know, <laughs> just it doesn't work. It doesn't work as well as you wanted to. All right, uh, let's go on to some stuff that we found on Reddit and Twitter. Yeah, so we may do this from time to time. Also, we thought there were some interesting discussions that have been going on on Reddit and Twitter, and we'd bring them here and just discuss them. Mm-hmm. Um, something I noticed on Twitter and I think, or on Reddit, and a, I think a Twitter follower pointed us towards it was yeah. a discussion going on on Reddit about somebody asking like, "Why is Soul Ring legal in EDH?" Why? They went on to compare it to the Moxin and mm-hmm. things like mana crypts and obviously they're actually more powerful than the moxin we think i think it's at least equal to the yeah. moxin and the moxes are all banned so why the heck is soul ring legal you know and a lot of debate uh, occurred it was a very big you know it was a big string people on all sides there are rules for commander i think they're french commander rules yep. that ban soul ring and a bunch of other cards um dual commander basically one dual commander yeah uh i would agree with that i think it is very powerful for 1v1 because if you just draw Soul Ring and your opponent doesn't and you're playing 1v1, you're at a pretty good chance. You're going to win that a huge percentage higher of the time because yeah. that one card puts you two turns ahead. Yeah, you can play and you can play all number of things that can keep accelerating you as is typical in the commander game, um, whereas your opponent's always going to be just a step behind and you can always be on the beat down. Yeah, it's very difficult to catch up if somebody turned one Soul Ring in a 1v1 match. However, however, we play a multiplayer format, so that does dilute the power level of Soul Ring because yeah. if you're two turns ahead of everybody, that means if they all team up on you, they're equivalent or slightly greater depending on how many players there are. Yeah, and there's a lot more ways to equalize. There's a lot more just mass artifact hate, enchantment hate, and stuff that will get rid of the things that's putting you so far ahead. And it, whenever you paint a target on yourself... Uh, I mean, unless you are, like, set up so perfectly to fend off three different people at the same time, it's going to be hard to leverage a soul ring into an un, like an unbeatable position that is suppressive and oppressive for the rest of the playgroup, I think. It is very powerful. If you turn around soul ring, you're in a very strong position. Yeah. You have a better chance to win that game than anybody at that moment. That doesn't mean your chance to win the game is now 80%, even though you're against three other players. I'm actually more of a proponent of not a turn one Sol Ring if you can't use it to its max. If you can't you know? use it on turn two, I wouldn't do it because it just paints a target for no reason. But if you have a four drop or yeah. a three drop, then you play it because that allows you to do those things on turn, t- on turn uh, two. I really think this is a different issue, though. 
Because to me, Soul Ring could be banned. You mm-hmm. could you could totally ban it for this the re- in like Mana Crypt, right? Yeah, and I think the case for Mana Crypt being banned is actually pretty good. And mm-hmm. if I was on the rules committee, I think I would ban Mana Crypt, or I wouldn't ban Soul Ring. The couple th- reasons I have one is we've talked to Sheldon. He's been on our show. One of the things he said and really resonated with me was the ban list. If it gets too large, the format is really in in danger yeah it'll collapse on itself kind of yeah because if it ever gets to a point where a new player just can't really keep the entire ban list in their head at all times then it's too confusing and the whole format can possibly die because of it Mm -hmm. because the ban list itself is oppressive because you have to remember like so many cards that you're not allowed to play so there is a need to keep the ban list small so Basically, unless you absolutely have to, you should not ban a card because you really need to keep that ban list as small as possible. So that's point number one. Point number two is Soul Ring is playable in every deck. So it's not like it costs one green. Right. It's not like Primeval Titan where it's like, I'm the best Titan and only green gets me. Exactly. So then if you're a really, really, really good card, it's forcing people to play a certain color. Soul Ring's not doing that. So every deck can just put it in there. It's not on the reserve list. They can reprint it. As a result, they have, and it's not very expensive, so everybody can attain it. And I think that's actually the reason the Moxes are banned mm-hmm. because they're similar in power level to the Soul Ring. Also, there's five of them, so in a five-color deck, they'd be broken. But the main issue, I believe, is that they're just so few of them in existence. Yeah, it's like $1,000 each for one, 800 to to 1000 Exactly. So if somebody has them, and you don't, it feels horrible because you can just never get that card. It's not like a yeah. $50 card where you're like, wow, that's a sweet card. I could trade a bunch of stuff and maybe get one. Yeah, imagine if a player had three soul rings in their deck as opposed to one. Yeah. That would be really poopy. And the other two, literally, you can't get them in your deck also unless you give $2,000. Yeah. Well, what I think that would actually lead to is proxies. Mm-hmm. So it, because they would and be... that le- kills the format, I think, too, just as quickly as a big ban list. Well, A... If you have staple cards that have to be in every deck because they're that powerful, they're soul ring level powerful cards, and everyone's proxying them, what's what happens? What's the domino effect of that? I believe the domino effect of that is you have a format that's now based on proxies, and wizards can't pr- can't promote that. They yeah. can't. They're not going to give you product support. They're not going to release Commander 2015 product for a format that's built on the back of proxying because that's not something they can encourage. Ever, yeah, yeah, they can't. I mean, that's just bad for their business. So. There's a big snowball effect that sort of occurs there. I believe Soul Ring is, you know, yes, there are issues with it. It's fine, though. It evens out over time. It feels bad on in certain instances where somebody mm-hmm. gets it out turn one and does broken things fast, and you'd feel like you can't do anything. We just have to give that. We have to be willing to say, well, the, that's an anomaly. Most of the time, it's fine. But yeah. Mana Crypt, I do believe, is starting to fall under because the price is getting so high yeah. and the power level's right there. It costs zero mana is the yeah. big one, and the life loss from it is negligible. I actually believe the pr- the price tag on it is what does it. Yeah. If it was a $2 card that did the same thing, at least everybody can have it in their deck. God, I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> you have you have one. I don't. I do have one, yeah. yeah. I, I manned up and bought a Portuguese one because it was cheaper. <laughs> That's a really good tip. Go buy the yeah. foreign one, not the expensive foils. There's certain uh, languages that are more expensive than English, but there are other ones that are less expensive. Yeah, exactly. Like Italian. Yeah. I want them to do more book promos. Come on, guys. Print a book and give me a mana crypt in it. That would have been a pretty sweet book to buy if you were, if you were a kid. I would have bought so many if I knew. If only I knew. <laughs> if only I knew, I would have a stack of those books somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Although well, just going to the same pile as all my Goosebumps books. 
Um, oh, yeah. Also, people are like, so if the Zendikar fetch lands aren't going to be in Battle for Zendikar, where are they going to be? Could they possibly be in Commander 2015? This is a big thing that I am surprised by. And uh, Wedge from the Mana Source uh-huh. is even predicting that they're going to be in the Commander 2015 product. He came out and said, and uh, there's a lot of argument. Can you imagine a modern player being like, I have to buy that now to get my fetch land? <laughs> well, I don't think a modern player would have to. They It'll would just... be like, oh, I have to trade with a commander player for that stuff. Yeah, and the price will go down as soon as it's printed, in, yeah. if they print it in commander. I, I, it feels unlikely to me. I, if if I were a betting man, and yeah. I am uh, well-documented, I am a betting man, <laughs> I would say probably not. It just doesn't feel like a great place for them to do it. It's yeah. Those cards are worthy of selling an entire set. Commander product is not on the level of a Cons of Tarkir release, a Theros mm-hmm. release, a Return to Ravnica release. That's what we're talking about here. So, yeah, Commander 2015 is supplementary. Yeah. It supplements the main selling force, which is Wizards wants to sell cards into Standard. Yep. And yeah. also, Commander players will not be as excited about those fetch lands. Yeah, exactly. So it's not going to help you sell the product to the demographic that it's for. So, but then there's the counter argument, which is like, but then all of a sudden, you're going to sell that product to a bunch of people that normally wouldn't buy it. Mm-hmm. So there is upside. Listen, it could happen. I put the percentage chance as very low, though, of it being in the Commander 2015 product. Yeah, and if you're a Commander player, just don't worry about it. The other fetch lands that are way cheaper, if you really need to fetch, can do the job. Terramorphic Expanse is fine for us. Evolving Wilds is fine for us. You don't even need the fancy fetches. I mean, they're great. Don't get me wrong. If you have them and they're from cons and they're cheap now, you should get them. But... We don't need Scalding Tarn and such. Nope. Not necessary. Don't even need it. Don't want it. Get it away from me. Ah, it burns. Get it away. You don't want it? Well, okay. I want it. <laughs> I mean, like, if somebody was ha- like, hey, you want the Scalding Tarn, Jimmy? I'd be like, uh... Get that away from me. Get that away from me. Well, actually, speaking of useless uselessness and just wasting a card, Alex Kessler was down a fork in real life, so he used an actual fork to eat his food. A fork card. A, yeah, the card fork. Kessler, come on, man. That card's great. <laughs> Josh has killed me like three to four times with fork. <laughs> Guaranteed. Did he actually... Was that actually a picture he actually took, or did he yeah, find it somewhere? I think it was. I mean, I don't know. It says, it's, it's Kess Wiley the- got hungry but couldn't find a fork. Hashtag hangry. Hashtag Indian food. Hashtag puns. And it's just this fork. Fork the half. card. The card, yeah. The one that doubles any spell, instant or sorcery for two red. And it's just got curry on it, and it's in a it's bowl of It's got tikka rice. masala all over tikka it. Tikka masala, yeah. I mean, I love tikka masala. I love Indian food. I do not love this. I just don't card. know where that fork's been. I couldn't eat off it. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> like, outside of the fact that, A, it's a piece of cardboard, it's been handled by tons of people. <laughs> It's passed through many hands. I didn't realize that this was such a big issue for you. I don't know. I just, I can't imagine myself. I mean, I would do it with a basic land, sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> but this is a card No, that... actually, I wouldn't. I would just ask for another utensil that's Six actually for Six people food. favorited this tweet, guys. <laughs> Who are you? I will read I'm, out their names. I might be one of them. Oh, my gosh. Am I one of them? Six, eight, and you're not. Okay, good. Andrew Skoglin. I know you listen to our podcast, Anders. John Waters. Maybe you do, too. He Kenny does. Hall. He does. Andrew Mullen. He does. I don't and know. And Josh Alexander. Actually, I think all of those people listen to our show. Yeah. Are you disappointed in them, Jimmy? I'm not disappointed. I mean, I'm sure they were like, you can favor it for any number of reasons, right? You can be like, oh, it was, just, it was funny. Or, oh, that's I want to remember this later, so I'm going to add it to my favorites. Uh, only one person retweeted it, though, and I think it was Alex himself. So good on you for not spreading it. At least you guys just favorited it and you didn't retweet. Retweet's the important one. 
<laughs> if you guys retweeted it, I would be uh, I'd be up in arms. You know, if people are salty about not at getting Zendikar <laughs> fetch lands in Battle for Zendikar, but not Jimmy Wong. He's salty because Alex wasted a magic card. A magic card, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Think about that little kid somewhere that's like, you can double any instant or sorcery. Is that little kid somewhere? He That's is. a hypothetical little kid. I don't know if he exists. It's probably just me, actually. It's the little kid inside of you. Yeah, I don't have any forks now that I think about it. You don't have one? I don't think That's I do. That's why. Oh, my gosh. That That's is why. why. That, oh, lay down on my couch. We will have a discussion. I need a fork. <laughs> How does that make you feel, Jimmy? Very upset. <laughs> my feelings have been hurt. Uh, All right. Well, that was a fun tangent. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our uh, episode on the current subject. What's current? What's happening in the world of magic? Um, yeah. Let us know if you like this format and us uh, sort of tackling issues yeah. like this. You know, something we probably would like to do at not all the time because there's not always a lot of issues. But as they sort of start to pile up at certain times of the year, mm-hmm. you know, something we'd think about doing more shows like this. Yeah. And also, if we're still going to keep to our two show a week schedule, it's it'll be nice to occasionally not have to do so much commander stuff because you know what well, we might run out of commander stuff to talk about at some point if we're not careful. It's, it's impossible. Not that that's happening. But we have a billion yeah. deck doctors we could just do instead. Uh, All right, now that we've worried everyone listening, <laughs> on to the end step. Guys, we're burning out. <laughs> All right, I have an end step. Oh, you do? Yeah, this is where we talk about something cool outside of the world of magic. And I'm surprised you actually have one, because I'm now I'm like, crap, we're going to record another episode after this. you got to think of it. Think you of have a whole step, other yeah. episode with which to think of it. Mine oh, is goodness. books. Books? I'm going on this long trip. I talked about it uh, oh, last yes, week. Right. I need book recommendations because I'm going to be... There's long flights involved. There's going to be a cruise for part of the trip. You definitely need some books. So I need cruise. some books, and I need recommendations from everybody out there of awesome books. I only want awesome books, okay? Because I don't want to read anything that you're like, yeah, it's pretty good. I just want you to give me some book re- recommendations on Twitter uh, at Josh Lee Kwai, or you can email them to us at commandcast or sorry, commandcast at rocketjump.com. Yeah. Just let me know any like awesome A plus books that you've read because I'm going to need a stack of them. That's uh, it. Yep. That's my a big step. stack. And it can be digital books as well, right? You can read them on your I iPad. I prefer them actually because it'll be, I can't carry like 30 books with me on the trip. It'll just be a whole suitcase. That's right. So it, you know, it's going to be easier on the iPad. What are you looking forward to most in your trip? Is there any area or place? The food in Singapore. Yeah. That I hear it's about the right. best place for food in the world. Really? That's what a lot of people say. Singapore so. is also the cleanest country, like by far. They have very strict laws, if you guys didn't know, about everything. Like, if you spit gum on the street, you're going to jail. Yeah, if I um, <laughs> if I don't come back, Jimmy, then will you come to Singapore and bail me out somehow? I guess, and I'll be like, what did you, did you litter, Josh? Did you spit gum? Oh, my gosh. If I'm you not imagine- even going to chew gum while I'm there. Yeah, so I think what they actually do is they, they confiscate the gum from you on the plane. So that you can't in. accidentally. So you can't accidentally spit it out, yeah. If you walk around L.A., there's little black splotches everywhere on the ground. I'm positive almost all of that is tar or gum. That's just been there for L.A. doesn't years. arrest you for breaking any of the laws exactly. that are actually make sense either. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, That's exciting. Well, mi- I hope you have a great time in Singapore, Josh. Thank you. I Thank only you. went once as a child, and I don't remember the food, so. I'll let you know. I'll, send, I'll hopefully be able to tweet out a bunch of pictures. Yes. That'd yeah. Be great. Probably for those three weeks, my Twitter feed will stop being about magic and will mostly be about food and, like, cool architecture and maybe more food i bet you'll find some magic out there especially singapore has a pretty big magic scene yeah and yeah so yeah and korea has a big starcraft scene 
Korea has a big uh, magic scene as well. And Korean cards are like one of the higher... Oh, yeah, because cor- the yeah, Korean lettering more. looks sweet. Yeah, lots of circles. Oh, wait a minute. My Maybe my most excited thing I am, actually... I'm going to change it. Sorry, Singapore. That's a good you're, sentence. The you, most excited yeah. thing you am. <laughs> I'm a podcaster, man. My sentences are impeccable. Yeah, there you go. Um, so Singapore just got bumped to number two. Sorry. Number one is visiting the DMZ on the South Korean North Korean border. Oh man. The most militarized area in the world. Yeah, the yeah. craziest place in the world. I am fascinated by North Korea. Yeah. I'm completely fascinated. If there's a documentary, in fact, if you read a book about it, please, <laughs> that's at the top yeah, of my list. Yeah, there's a book about the DMZ uh, <laughs> that Josh can read. I almost like said DMV for a second. It's like, man, that is the Why worst. Why are you excited place. about that, Josh? It's also just like at the South North Korean South Korean border, there's a DMV there that's like that is the actual embodiment no of hell. No wonder they don't like each <laughs> <laughs> there's like a black hole emanating from that place that sucks both countries to like be, have a war on that border i guess that's pretty intense yeah dmz that's awesome uh matt arnold went there he was on the podcast once that's why i'm going because he, he raved about it so yeah pretty intense cool all right make sure to check out our sister podcast the masters of modern alex and ben talk about modern yeah and there's lots to talk about now especially with these crazy sets coming out lots oh they're going to talk a lot about this whole zendikar Fetchland thing i'm sure they talk about all things competitive magic you can find them on rocketjump.com right next to us under the podcast tab you can also find them on twitter at the mmcast if you guys want to follow our editor eli cuevas big ups to you man you can find him on twitter at tvga yeah uh, eli yeah eli and you can also uh, find our the guy that does all of the animations on the videos for us uh, jeffrey palmer at living cards mtg and make sure you guys check those videos out there at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast we post a video for every episode and it's a uh, another cool way to consume the content in case you haven't been watching it all right everybody thanks for listening and we'll see you next time peace thank you for your attention For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. 
Facebook on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.